0: Welcome back to B2B Growth. I'm Logan Lyles with Sweetfish Media. I'm joined today by Dylan Hay. He's the co-founder and CEO over at Hay Digital. He's also the host of the SaaS Marketing Show. Dylan, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, Logan, thank you so much for having me on. I am super excited to do another B2B Growth episode. More excited to meet you as well. I feel like I've met so many people across the team. And this is our first time speaking on a call together. So yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I saw your name on my my calendar because I just do what Google Calendar tells me to do. And I was like, oh yes, today is the day I get to actually chat live with Dylan. Hey, James has sung your praises long before I knew you. You and I have gotten to know each other through LinkedIn, You know, uh, LinkedIn family, hashtag LinkedIn fam, whatever, man. But this is going to be really good because you recently started a podcast, the SaaS Marketing Show. And this episode, I think we're going to use in our content networking series because you've very much been running the playbook that anyone listening to the show has heard James, myself, and the entire Sweetfish team try to evangelize. And that is with an interview-based B2B podcast, you have a double-edged sword. It's content creation, but it's also relationship generation. And you've been working both sides of that. So give us a little bit of context into your show, why you started it, how you kind of envision both these sides, and then we'll get into a little bit of your journey and some really great successes you've seen in the early days. I've been telling people about it. And so I, I thought we had to document it here for people to learn from. So give us a little bit of the backstory, and then we'll get into some of
1: the tactics and lessons learned, man. Sure. Yeah, of course. So the the reason that we started the podcast or I started the podcast was purely based off of James's advice as well, just to make sure I get that get that in there. I know he'll appreciate that. So James and I were talking about this. It must have been maybe even a year and a half ago or slightly longer when I came to visit him in Orlando. We had a cool day together at like Disney and stuff. That was fun. And he was telling me back then that, hey, I should be doing this podcast thing. And I knew about the power of that. But I didn't necessarily. I don't want to say I didn't have the time, but I couldn't. I, I was struggling to make the time to fit it into where I was at that point. So early on in our business, but to give a top level oversight, my first thing is I wish I started it when James first told me about it, just to make that clear. And I wish I found the time. But we we run a PPC and CRO agency, so we do paid advertising for SaaS and B two B software companies, and we're a small team of four. Have been going for just under two years now, and um, we we decided to launch the SaaS marketing show with those two angles in mind that you talked about. So number one, uh, I know that like, you guys and James and everyone talks about it as like a relationship building angle, which ultimately leads to sales. Like I was purely thinking about it from... I-, I love meeting other people. I love building relationships with them. It's what I'm really good at. And I knew that that could become a good sales generator for us. And then the second angle is the content, as you mentioned. And more specifically, the branding. So because we're such a niche focused agency on working with B2B SaaS companies, and we knew that building the best SaaS and B2B, like SaaS marketing podcast and interviewing the leading marketers at these SaaS and B2B companies immediately through the like association principle helps us build our brand. Because if people are seeing me and our team interviewing the lead marketers at companies like Drift and Calendly and Arefs, like we have done so far. Um, it immediately gives us a little bit more credibility and authority as well. So we came at it from the angle of number one, um, create, ultimately creating new leads for their business and revenue for business. Some of those will come pretty much immediately, which we'll talk about in terms of you interview someone and it transitions to a sales conversation. Many of them will come maybe six months, 12 months, 18 months down the line, which is also great. And it's just building those initial relationships. And then the second is the content piece. Like I... I use the podcast now as my pillar piece of content for distribution across social and everything. So that's like a, a quick top level overview. We're about, I think, thirteen episodes in. We've been just releasing weekly at the moment. And already as a result of the podcast, we've signed like one new, one new agency client, which makes the podcast like already significantly ROI positive and pay for itself. Um, and we've also closed one sponsor who is also like like Just like having another agency client, just with a lot less work. So that's really nice. Um, and there's multiple other people interested in sponsorships too. And that's not even then taking into account the um, future revenue it's bringing and the relationship building that's going on. Like I'm getting to build relationships with so many of our target buyers right now and um, connect them with each other as well, which is another really powerful thing for podcast.
0: Yeah. Gary V talks about the high school party analogy, right? When you're the kid who gets to host the party when your you, your parents are out of town, instantly, you're the cool kid. doesn't matter if you were the cool kid before, but just go ahead and host the party. And the great thing about a podcast is it just takes starting, right? I, I remember just a few weeks into being a regular co-host on B2B Growth, I did not have connections in the B2B marketing world. And I was interviewing the former CMO of Marketo. And we, we had a one to one relationship and and their company could could buy from us uh, he knows people who could buy from us when I tagged him on LinkedIn other uh, other CMOs and VPs of marketing at tech companies that can buy from us are, are seeing that uh, I want to get into kind of your thinking around naming the show uh, the guest outreach your follow-up with the guests. but I I have to ask so you mentioned you you've only been like 13 episodes in you're a team of four doing a weekly show which scares off a lot of I talk to you know marketing teams of 50 that say we can't pull off a week Weekly show, so that that's a follow up question. But I got to dig in. Tell me about the the lead you closed. How did that work? What do you think set you up well for for that situation? Because that's a question I get a lot. People see the value of the long term content play, the short, mid term, and long term relationship play, but they're like, how how does it actually happen? So I would love for you to kind of unpack that story as much as you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll walk through that. So how that happened was. Um, someone that I have been connected with on LinkedIn for a long time, but never had a conversation with or spoken to. Um, he he liked one of my posts that i had posted from a previous podcast episode. And I saw that and I thought, hey, this would be a really good time to get to know this person. Um, so I just sent him a LinkedIn message and said, hey, saw you like the podcast post. Um something along the lines of it might be cool to get you on the show if you're interested. It was like super simple um, and then we just had a little bit of conversation about he asked me what like a bit more about the podcast. I did some asking about like what kind of topic we would cover um, and then within like three days we'd agreed on the podcast topic and we'd scheduled in the interview and basically, from that first me messaging him off the back of him liking one of my posts from that message to like contract being signed and First invoice being paid. I I I only know this so much because James asked me about it too, right? But it was tw- I think it was twenty eight days, which is like awesome. It's really smooth. It's a really short time period from yes, he'd seen my LinkedIn content before, but we'd we'd never really spoken. So that's one thing. And what we did was he came on the show. Um, out of all the guests we've had, like I've had a great experience with all of the guests that have come on the show. Um, but immediately it was also super clear that me and this guest really had a good like chemistry and got on really well. And then at the end of the episode, he mentioned that one thing they've been trying to figure out but don't have the resources for or don't have the resources internally to do a good job with was paid like paid ads. And he would love to maybe have a chat about that at some point. Um, so it was completely led by him. I didn't say anything or suggest anything. Um, and then a couple of days later, we got on a call to just explore it in a bit more depth. Like a week later, we had our proposal call and then a week later, everything was done. So it was super smooth. And for me... It was one of the easiest deals that we've ever closed because I had so much credibility and authority already that actually, when we were running through our proposal deck on our proposal call, I remember he said very clearly to me and my team, "Hey guys, like we don't need to, we don't need to go through all of this stuff. Like we can just get to the pricing section and then like what the next steps are." And I've never had that on a on a proposal call before, and I know that that was purely because of the, the relationship and the credibility built through the podcast. So yeah. And I love that just
0: just that feedback like it changed the whole conversation. Uh, he brought it up with you w- What's your typical sales cycle length like is twenty eight days twenty eight days is an amazing time to quickly see ROI on this strategy. but how does that also compare to kind of your average sales cycle length and things like that?
1: Yeah, it's faster than normal, so it, it does vary obviously depending on so many things because we get a few different types of people that get in contact with us we get the people the SaaS companies that reach out that the reason they're reaching out is because they have a budget they need to start like increasing their lead flow and they need it yesterday so obviously those ones close faster than the people who reach out because they've seen some of our content and they're just interested in exploring but i would definitely say it's faster than faster than average for sure like if we took an average i don't have it right on my screen now but i would say the average is usually like maybe a month and a half to two months from like first conversation to everything actually being like complete. Yeah. And, and something good
0: there and kind of that backstory, Dylan, is it closed faster, but it closed faster not with someone who's like, okay, we're ready to buy, we're getting three bids and and we're going to beat you up on price. Like it closed faster, but it also closed more easily as well with less work. And you knew that you already, you know, the, prospect that was a guest on your show, you know that there's a good relationship, so you can kind of tell that it's going to be a good fit. It's not one of those, oh, it closed too quickly, and now we get this customer on board and we realize oh, this really isn't a good fit. Like, it was great that we closed it quickly, but now we're not so happy about it or they're not so happy. So I, I think that points to a lot of great things about the strategy. Tell us a little bit more. Uh, I, I see in what the name the name that you chose for the show, the SaaS marketing show, is not focused on, on digital ads or, or paid channels. It's not branded around your expertise. And to me, that allows you to reach out to these marketing leaders at SaaS companies who can... Buy from you, and it also sets them up to talk about their expertise and it's it's not like you laid in a qualifying question, but it makes sense to naturally talk about in that context what are you struggling with like what's next for your marketing team to where that conversation about where your business could help was very natural. it didn't feel like timeshare presentation and then here comes the right
1: hook with the with the sales pitch right right, yeah, so that's one thing again that we took from. From like James's strategy and his book, Content Based Networking, and everything that we've learnt from from you guys was that it would be very easy to call it like, I don't know, the hey digital show or whatever whatever we might call it, but with the SaaS marketing show, there's a few things. So number one, we were never really focused when we first launched the podcast on listener numbers. Like I didn't really care about that. Although over time, that's now changing for some reasons that we'll talk about in a second. But like at first, all I cared about was interviewing the people that we want to sell to at some point or people we want to get to know. That's a better way to frame it actually. And um, the SaaS marketing show is going to be interesting for those people. And it's going to be clear what they're coming on to talk about, which is also really important if you're trying to speak to any potential guests. Um, and then, as time has gone on, like now that we are starting to gain a bit more traction with the podcast, like we have sponsors interested as well. That's one thing that's really helped from a sponsorship perspective. I never considered that as an additional revenue stream for for us and our business, but because our show is so niche focused and the naming is so niche, and everything is like so clear, it's a very simple like value prop for anyone that's interested in working with us because they need like it's so clear who they're going to be talking to and what they're getting and then from the listener side of things like the discovery side i don't have any actual data to back this up just yet but i'm pretty sure that we're starting to rank for SaaS marketing related terms like if i search on my phone SaaS marketing we're one of the first shows that we see i know that that's like bias a little bit because it's me on on my phone. But for example, even over the last couple of weeks, there was one episode that we did, one of the very first episodes, and out of nowhere it picked up like a load of downloads over two or three days. And I contacted them and they didn't do any promotion or anything like that. So in those cases, I can only imagine that it's a case of starting to rank within the right kind of keywords within the podcast store or however you want to put it. So for us, the naming thing is actually super important. I think it's crazy to name a podcast after yourself or after your business. Instead, name it after the people that you're trying to build relationships with or interview. What is going to be interesting and attractive to them? And then what is going to be interesting and attractive to the listener? Make it as clear as possible. And because as you said, the conversation transitions very easily then as well. Because I have the same two questions that I ask every guest at the end of the show or towards the end. And one of those is what's, what's one thing that you're that either you or your team are really proud of that you've been working on recently. And what's one thing that you're finding challenging right now? And like there's been a couple of times where they've said the thing that's challenging is like improving their LinkedIn paid ads funnel, right? Or something like that. Or there's been they share things that aren't ads related, but it's related to someone I know that I can then introduce them to further down the line. And it's good content for everyone listening because everyone likes to find out what other people like them or slightly further ahead of them are experiencing as well. So that's the way... It, sometimes people ask me, how do we transition it to a sales conversation? And the way that I look at it is, first of all, you don't need to transition it to a sales conversation. Because if they're looking for support, they will bring it up like that guest that we close to deal with. But if they're not looking for support right now, instead of just trying to go hard into a sales conversation, focus on the building of relationships so that when they are ready, they remember you and they come to you. And one way to do that is through learning a bit more about them and their challenges by asking them a question like that
0: man that is so smart Dylan I love the way that you've layered that into your interview framework and it add's your two standard closing questions because it does position you well to figure out what are their challenges and and can I help or not or, and the way that you help might not necessarily be hey let's talk about our service they might say something else like hey they want to start a podcast and you say hey go check out sweetfish or you know we're looking for this this piece of our Martech stack and you know based on other customers you've talked with or other- other podcast guests, you can make a recommendation that you feel good about, and now you've added value. I I love what you talked about there in, you know, that strategy not only serves you, but it also serves the guests because you can add value in a genuine way, and it adds value to the listeners because it's questions that they are asking their peers. You just happen to be the conduit, the facilitator of that conversation. Let's transition from kind of the way that you close out interviews, and I think that's very tactical advice for folks who want to use content-based networking in an interview-based podcast, the guest follow-up strategy. What have you done so far? What has worked? What hasn't? And what do you see in the future? You mentioned some plans to me offline that you haven't quite enacted yet, but what's working and
1: what do you see working that you're going to try and test here uh, in the weeks and months to come? Yeah, great question. So one thing that I said to you before we started this that I wanted to make clear is like, we don't really have a ton of processes built right now for this podcast. And that I wanted to say that because I know a lot of people hold themselves back by thinking, okay, I need the guest outreach process done. I need the booking process done. I need the follow up. I need all of those things. And yes, they help. They're going to make it a smoother experience. They'll help your guests have a better time. They'll help you do more interviews, which is also important. Um, But you don't need all of those things. I guess I'm fortunate where um, I've built somewhat of an audience, nothing big, but somewhat of an audience on LinkedIn and other platforms over the last few years, which has meant once we did launch the podcast, I've had just guests coming to me nonstop. So I haven't really done too much outreach apart from some larger guests that I really wanted to get on for that like authority play early on in the podcast. Um, But right now, all it is, is usually people will message me, I'll... Decide pretty early whether or not they're a good fit, just by asking them. For me, I ask them some pre-qualifying questions based on our target buyer persona, and I'm very like clear about that. So I know that um, for us, we it doesn't make sense for us to be speaking with any SaaS company unless they're at least a million dollars in annual recurring revenue, ideally significantly more than that. But there's like no point in us talking to them about paid ads if they don't fit that. So I bring that into my qualifying criteria for guests as well. And the way that I frame it to the guests is that. For my podcast, specifically, I want to keep the... Not to say people at smaller companies aren't valuable, but I want to keep the guest criteria as people at SaaS companies who have driven results from their marketing, that if I ask them what's something that's working well, it's not a small project that's driven one sign up or one lead. Because that might be something that's worked well for an early stage business. But I want to make sure the people that come on the show are sharing advice that they've actually delivered on and has driven revenue. So it's very easy for me when someone asks me like, oh, why am I asking that? It's very easy for me to explain why based on who our audience is and who our target criteria for like guests is as well. So I ask them that question. So that's like one thing that I do before even agreeing on an interview topic with someone is I ask them that. And then I set the tone for what I want to be covered on the interview. So the way that I do this is usually I'll just go through their LinkedIn or check on their website or their blog and do some research in some like, ads tools and everything else and find something that I can see they're doing really well. And I'll suggest that we use that as a topic for the interview. Or I'll ask them what they think makes sense to cover. Most of the time, they come back with like two or three different ideas of what they'd like to talk about. And usually, I'll just deep dive into one of those a little bit just to make sure that there's some substance to the topic. But that doesn't take too much time. It's like one or two messages back and forth normally. Um, And then once that's done, I share a booking link with them where they schedule onto my calendar. And once they do that, they get an automated email with the calendar request. And then they do also get an automated email that I prepared just with some preparation notes for people that are either new to podcasts, haven't done them before, where it's like, here's some equipment I would recommend if you have time. If not, try these alternatives. Um, And here's the way that we structure our interviews. And this is what you can expect afterwards. So I have that that goes out. And then they come on the show. Once the show is finished, naturally, the guy that I am, I'm like chatting with them quite a lot in LinkedIn or anywhere else. So the process is normally, I'll just send them an email or a LinkedIn message when the episode goes live, which is normally a couple of weeks down the line. But because of the relationship that I've built with them throughout the interview, they're normally messaging me about other things on LinkedIn and elsewhere anyway. So that's... like how it looks for us right now. What I'm building out is just processes where um, we build out a process for guest outreach because I do want to up the frequency of the shows. So right now to do one show a week, I can rely on inbound, but I would love to be in a spot where we're doing like three shows a week, four shows a week. And to do that, I need to do some outbound. So we're building out a process with our team of okay, these are how we identify potential guests. This is how we reach out to them. Um, so, we're doing that, building out some better automations around the follow up. Someone invited me onto his podcast a couple of weeks ago. Logan, I'm going to share it with you after this meeting because it was like, it was this awesome thing where I clicked the link and then there was a video explaining some cool stuff and a few other really useful bits of information. And I love that. So, thinking about doing something like that. Um, but then that's probably it. I'm just going to keep it simple. Like the whole. The whole point of the podcast for us isn't to get super fancy and flashy with it. It was just to be building those relationships with our buyers. Now that we have like closed deals and we have spot podcasts like sponsors, now we can start to lift up the production quality and everything else. But that's not essential for this to work. It's just I love using it as a, co- as a content piece as well. So the better quality of the podcasts, then the better quality content I can create further down the line. So I know that was like a fairly long answer, but I wanted to make sure I broke down the different steps and gave some practical advice on all of those.
0: I think that is super practical, Dylan. And I, I love that it's you know, coming from a team like yours, a four-person team that's doing a weekly show. I talk to so many teams that say, we're a lean team of, of 25 or 50. There's no way we could pull off a, an episode every other week. We're thinking about one episode a month. And I just push back and say, that's if you're interviewing people in your target market, why wouldn't you want more conversations? And two, on the audience growth side, on the long game, one episode a month is just not going not gonna to generate much, not very quickly. I also love what you talked about there in that it's not disingenuous to, to make the criteria for uh, most of your guests. Now you're interviewing some folks who don't exactly fit your buyer persona for other reasons. They'd create great content. They help you build some authority, that sort of thing. But when you do Position it similar to your closing question. It's good for you, and it's also good for the listeners because if I keep this focused on marketing leaders at SaaS companies over a million dollars in ARR and kind of in this sweet spot, then I'm helping my audience hear from their exact peers, and I'm I'm not wasting their time with something that's not going to be applicable. And so again, you know, James talks about it in the win-win-win. You you win the guest wins by looking like a rock star with with the audience that that you're. Building for them, and the audience wins by hearing from their peers. So, I, I talk to a lot of people that just say, Man, it, it feels like if I'm just interviewing prospects and that's my criteria. You know, it feels only self-serving, but I think this example really unpacks it, that it, it serves you better in the content perspective, the relationship, and it's still a win for the guest and for the audience when you do it the way that you're talking about. Dylan, if anybody listening to this is, is kind of on the fence, either based on bandwidth, uh, based on how, how do I run this strategy effectively, what would be your main advice to folks who, who are kind of sitting on the fence for any of those reasons that maybe were in your head before you started as well.
1: Yeah, so I, I procrastinated on this for a year and a half, as I said to you earlier on, right? And um, I now wish that I started this a year and a half ago. My excuses back then were the same as that. It was like, okay, we've just started building this business. I need to be dedicating all of my time to everything else. How can I commit to doing the podcast or something like that? On reflection, that was such a silly, stupid idea because the podcast is like the most effective way to speak to your target buyers and build an audience at the same time. So my advice would be, first of all, the typical thing of like, just, just do it and get started. We talked about earlier on how... Uh, it might have been before we started recording, but we were talking about how... Um, it doesn't matter if the first couple episodes like aren't great quality or anything else because you can constantly be upgrading and improving, and if you're having conversations with the people that you want to be talking with, it doesn't really matter too much what it's like. There are some quick wins, like first of all, um, I know you probably don't want me doing this, but like people should just talk to to you guys at sweetfish like that's the easiest way to solve everything. but the second one is if that's like not right and if that's not the right move for you, like it's very. It's maybe not easy, but there are so many people out there now, especially with everything that's happening in the world right now with podcasts, like podcast volumes increasing too. There are so many people out there who can support you, whether it's you use a piece of software to improve your editing process or speed up, whether it's you find a freelancer or a contractor to help you upload the episodes or something like that. You can do that for a low budget. Of course, you have to be aware that if you spend a low budget on some of these people, then the quality isn't always going to be guaranteed to be incredible. But that, that is a route that you can go down if it's really stopping you. Like, hey, if you need to find someone to just quickly improve and edit some episodes and upload them, like you can do that. Um, so that would be my advice it would be just to get started. Because if you if you use this strategy, the content-based networking strategy that we've talked about, there are so many... Benefits. And I know that once you either close a deal or once you build some really great connections, get some introductions to people, or even just use it to create more content on LinkedIn or elsewhere, the feeling that you get and the like instant return that you see from that is more than worth it. And then that helps you continue with the pacing of like keep pushing these episodes out because you see the value pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. we've seen it with our own customers. Thanks for that
0: plug, by the way. The checks in the mail, Dylan. Uh, no, everybody, I promise we did not pay Dylan for that endorsement. I, I just we we there's a lot of love between you and James and, and both our teams, and and hopefully people recognize that. But I, I do appreciate that, Dylan. I think it's good advice. Whether you're working with a team like ours, you're starting out with maybe some low budget contractors or just pulling it together on on your team. The same advice is is true, get over that first hump. And you'll be surprised if you kind of, I'm not saying lower your bar and just like, put trash out there, but if you lower that bar below perfection to good enough, and then you start to iterate, you will start to gain momentum. I mean, we saw this with uh, Sangram Vajray and the team at Terminus at Flip My Funnel. You know, we've redone the branding on their show at least once, maybe twice. And to him, he started out with a daily show. He's like, I wanted to see if this worked or not, and I want to know quickly. If you start out with a monthly show and just like making sure that every single episode, every um is removed and it, you know oh, if it doesn't sound like NPR, then we can't put it out there. You're just never going to gain enough traction and you're going to, Think that it's not delivering results before you've given it a chance to to deliver those results for you. And that's true whether you're working with a team like ours or not. So I think that's really great advice, Dylan. And you're a testament to a small team pulling it together, being able to do it, and seeing some phenomenal results in 28 days being ROI positive. And, you know, I would be a lot better golfer if I could have a great short game and a long game. And I see that's what you guys are doing. You're playing the short game and the long game. I kind of describe content-based networking to a lot of folks. Dylan, if anybody listening to this is now a fast fan of yours and, and wants to be a friend of yours, like we are here at Sweetfish,
1: what's the best way for them to reach out, stay connected, or find your show? Yeah, sure. So if they're within the SaaS world, or that's interesting to them, they should just go check out the podcast. So that's the SaaS Marketing Show. You search it anywhere, you'll find it. Um, Or just come and connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm active like every day. So it's Dylan Hay, H-E-Y is my surname. You type that in, I'll be like the only guy there. I think you should find me pretty easily
0: all of it. Dylan, thank you so much for joining me on the show, man. I'm so glad we finally got to chat and we got to celebrate some early wins on your podcast. Like this is just the highlight of my day, man. So I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Are you on LinkedIn? That's a stupid question. Of course, you're on LinkedIn. Here at Sweetfish, we've gone all in on the platform. Multiple people from our team are creating content there. Sometimes it's a funny GIF or meme. Other times it's a micro video or a slide deck, and sometimes it's just a regular old status update that shares their unique point of view on B2B marketing, leadership, or their job function. We're posting this content through their personal profile, not our company page. And it would warm my heart and soul if you connected with each of our evangelists. We'll be adding more down the road, but for now, you should connect with Bill Reed, our COO, Kelsey Montgomery, our creative director, Dan Sanchez, our director of audience growth, Logan Lyles, our director of partnerships, and me, James Carberry. We're having a whole lot of fun on LinkedIn pretty much every single day. And we'd love for you to be a part of it.